course, this week's Sport Zone on Salford Video and Rapax. We're here talking all things sports in Salford. Joining the show this week, as have we got James Sweetenham. James, looking forward to talking all things sports in Salford and beyond. Yeah, I most certainly am, Rob. I wasn't here last week, so I'm glad to be back at it, talking all things sport with you. Going to be a good show this. I've got feeling my bones. We've got Paul Whiteside from the Devon the Detail. Paul, looking forward to telling us all about the activities in the sporting world this weekend. Yeah, well, my activities were probably based uh, based around Salford. Uh, Devils, and that was uh, that was quite a story in its own. So yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting about that and all the other stuff local as well. It should be a good show. Yeah. So we'll start with football. Uh, James and Ronaldo um, has announced he wants to leave Manchester United. Thoughts and feelings about that? I'll tell you what, Rob. If I was making the decision of the story to go for first, that's exactly what I would have picked because this is massive news. I would say bad news. For Manchester United fans, granted, a lot of people, a lot of purists don't think that Cristiano made for a good signing. They felt like he was over the hill, like he was a very short-term answer to a long-term problem. I thought he brought a lot to the squad. And granted, Manchester United came sixth last season, but I think without him, they would have come much further down the league. Because the amount of times he scored pivotal goals and he brought the best out of the team, I think it was very important for Manchester United last season. So if we lose him... It's a big loss, and I don't quite know where Manchester United go because he was such a significant part of their team last season. Yeah, Paulie wants to play Champions League football. Manchester United can't deliver on that, so he's out. Obviously disappointing for Manchester United fans, but I was a blue. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's probably a big story, really. I would have expected his sort of age, you know, I mean, that being sort of ages towards him. But, you know, his sort of time of his career, it might have been a place where he finished his career at Manchester United. So you don't really think of someone in the mid-30s of moving on having another big move. But if he obviously feels like he's still got you know, football and his legs and, and he's going to carry on for a few more seasons and he's an ambitious man and, you know, he's been a player that's been at the top of his game for a long time now. That's the sort of world we live in now with football. You know, players want to play at the highest level and, and Champions League is that highest level, isn't it, with uh, with teams in this country. So, um, so can you blame him? Probably not really. So, uh, it'd be interesting to see who's after him and, and, and where he goes. Yeah, he's got one year left on his contract, James, so he can't walk away for free. So that puts uh, sort of bit on the Manchester United side that he, he can't sort of break his contract and run. But it's Cristiano Ronaldo. He's got a profile to, to keep. So it will be to see what happens in the next uh, few weeks and months before the season starts. Well, it'll be very interesting to see how it develops, Rob. Bearing in mind that Manchester United are still claiming that Cristiano's not up for sale. Mm. So they're going to try and keep him at the club. He said he is willing to stay if Manchester United show more ambition. Yes, we're looking into De Jong. We're looking into a few other players, some from Ajax. But it doesn't feel like there's much ambition coming from Manchester United at the moment. And that'll only frustrate players like Ronaldo. It does smell a bit like what Wayne Rooney did at Manchester United. Claim that Man United didn't match his ambition and then got a new contract out of Man United. So is this what's possibly happening, Paul? Is Ronaldo testing the waters for another big contract? Don't forget... He's on about £500,000 anyway. So, uh, you know, anything larger than that is, is going to be incredible money. £500,000 a week or a year? week. A week? Yeah, yeah I thought you said a year then. Oh. Um, yeah, which, which would be phenomenal money anyway. Um, is <laughs> yeah. he testing the waters possibly? He, he, he could be testing the waters, but I don't I don't know. I think the Champions League thing, as I mentioned before, is a big draw to players, isn't it? And, you know, they want to be playing in that 
in that competition, don't they, these days? So, uh, Manchester United can't offer that next season. It might be something he's looking at, but it's a tough one for United, really, because do they sort of make him sit on that contract for 12 months and lose him for nothing, or, or do they cash in now and sell him while he's still got 12 months on it? But to be honest, this day and age, you, you want a player to be happy, don't you? So, if they're just going to keep him there for the sake of it, it probably it's best for all parties for giving moves on if he wants to move on. There's no point having a player unhappy, especially a player of his, his calibre. So, do I think he's testing the water? No, I think he wants to play Champions League football. If it, that's my opinion. Does he fit into Ten Hag's system, James? Obviously, a new coach coming in, had a full week in training. Is this Ronaldo looking at this uh, transfer, the uh, training schedule and thinking, you know what, don't fancy this? I think Ronaldo fits into whatever system he wants to play in, doesn't he? But specifically when you've got a manager like Eric Ten Hag, a man who's renowned for his attractive style of football, I mean, that was one of the the calls, wasn't it? One of the things we liked about Eric Ten Hag when we had the prospect of him potentially coming in at Old Trafford was that he was guaranteed to play exciting football. And you can see that in the players that he's looking to sign. I mean, he wants Anthony, doesn't he, from Ajax, a good player. He wants to bring in De Jong in the centre of midfield. And I still feel like Ronaldo has a place in this Manchester United club. It's just whether he wants it or not. And at the moment, it's definitely coming across like he doesn't. But as we said the other week, we have this argument now, don't we, that United, that there's still so much history that's appealing to these players but for the bulk of them, those elite names, it's overawed and overruled by the fact that we've not got Champions League football. Does If he does depart, James, does it ruin his legacy? I don't know. In a, in a sense, yeah, because did he ever really want to rejoin Manchester United? Because let's mm. not forget that it looked like he was geared up to, to go to the Etihad, didn't it? Mm until the last minute when they seemingly pulled out the deal and he settled for Manchester United and we all reacted like it was our hero coming home. But did he want to come home? That, that's the question. And I'm not entirely convinced he did. But regardless, he spent another season at Manchester United and that was fantastic for the fans. Those from a younger generation got their opportunity to witness him play, to witness him grace the pitch at Old Trafford. But... If his time's done, his time's done. I, I don't particularly believe that he's in love with the club in the way he often makes out he is. Because if he was, he wouldn't have even contemplated going to Manchester City. And he did. So, in terms of where he goes next, I don't think he cares about Manchester United. So, bearing in mind the fact that Chelsea are one of the teams that is rumoured to be after him. He feels fine playing in the Premier League. He's produced some fantastic performances in the Premier League. It's clear he can still operate at a high level of the Premier League. With Chelsea calling, it wouldn't shock me at all if he went there. Will be a big moment, that, if Ronaldo joins Chelsea. Uh, Paul, obviously, with United's lack of work in the transfer market so far, obviously fans won't be happy about that. No, no. There's, there's talent at Manchester United, isn't it? And I think, for me, you know, as an outsider looking, and I think the new manager's looking at making a bit of a culture change there, isn't he? So, I think you, you'd be a wise man to 
to make subtle changes at first rather than bringing in wholesale change. I think he wants to bring in players with the right attitude, doesn't he? And, you know, there's probably not a load of those players around at the moment so or or, or at any one time. So I think he's going to be cagey about who he signs and, um, you know, be, be patient as well. I think you've got to be patient. You know, you can't build things, you know, these things in a, in a day, can you? So, um, so yeah, I think the sports have got to be patient and um, the, these things are going to take time. I don't think it's going to get turned around, uh, you know, overnight, if you like. We'll be interested to see uh, what happens. Obviously, Frankie, is it De Jong, uh, James, you know, potentially coming in? They're talking about Declan Rice. You know, we all know where the areas need to be improved, uh, but they need to move and they need to move quick. Well, I think De Jong's a terrific player, Rob, and I think it's unfortunate for him and I suppose fortunate for Manchester United that he has fallen out of favour at Barcelona because mm. it's opened the door for him to make that move and for him to potentially represent us next season. I think he'd be a terrific signing and I think he'd fill the void that Paul Pogba's left. As I've stated before, I'm still worried about the fact that he doesn't want to play for Manchester United. He made it abundantly clear that he'd rather have stayed at the new camp. But regardless, if he's coming over, I'm hoping that Eric Ten Hag can work his magic and we can get De Jong playing to his full capacity. Because if he does, I think he'll be a tremendous player in that midfield, Rob. Let's uh, move on to Salford City. They've been busy in the transfer market, showing what Man United is, what it's like to sign people. Uh, Steve Malon. Uh, James signed for Salford City, 26 years old, centre midfield, Scottish, uh, will add quality to that team. Yeah, he most certainly will. He's filling position that Salford City need filling if they want to go on next season. We've got our sets, uh, our targets set on potentially getting to those playoffs, potentially finding our way into League One in the coming season. So I think he's a fantastic player and we've got another in the midfield. So we really are bolstering that area. Yeah, Elliot Watts come in. Paul, 22, two-year deal, like James said, a player who's going to add that bit of class to that Salford City FC midfield. Yeah, definitely. And we keep mentioning every week, don't we, about how tough that sort of league is and you need experience in there, you need quality players in there, long, hard season as well. But they look to be making um, you know, good uh, good inroads in the in the transfer market, Salford City, and they've got a massive season ahead of them, a season where they they tip to do well. So, uh, so yeah, good to see they're making some good experience signings. Yeah, the first uh, friendly, they won 3-1 against Newcastle Town, so good start. For Salford City, plenty of uh, excitement to come through the season for them. Let's talk about Man City now. They are poised to sign Calvin Phillips from Leeds for £45 million. Uh, Paul, does City need another quality centre midfielder? Dude, you can never have enough, can you? But, uh, you know, a lot of the other clubs are probably saying that they don't need any more. They've, they've got plenty there. So, so when quality players are... Uh, come available Manchester City are always knocking on the door aren't they and made some good signings already so so yeah another another good signing for them but going to be another uh, another exciting season I think another season of expectation for them you know nothing other than winning that Premier League and it's going to be be be, be a success really is it you know they've, they've had good success and you've got to keep keep going with that now I think the, the trophy they all want to win the Champions League isn't it so they've got to be you know fighting on sort of four fronts again so your squad's going to get tested, so you need that quality uh, back up in the squad as well, don't you? So, uh, so yeah, I think he'd be a good addition to the team. Yeah, Calvin Phillips, James, England international, defensive midfielder, just what Man United need, end up at Man City. Discuss. Well, it feels like the story of the last 10 years, doesn't it, Rob? Uh, Manchester City taking all of Manchester United's sparkle. 
we've discussed on the show many a time where the two teams are going to be in 15, 20 years. That Asian support that Manchester United have, that Irish support, that American support, that Australasian support as well, that they've generated throughout the world with a fantastic history. Down the line, will that all gravitate towards Manchester City? Who knows? That, that's the position we're in right now. And uh, unless they can turn the tide, they're not going to remain a big side forever because you see what happens with teams like Leeds and Blackburn. Gradually, despite the success, they do dwindle. And I know that Manchester United have always stood on another level to those two sides, but it is an example of how far you can slide down the footballing pyramid. Mm, they have a... They have lots of money and lots of pots of uh, of oil to to sell, uh, Paul. So it, it's going to be, you know, a while I think before uh, they sort of uh, keel over. Who's that, Manchester? Mm. Um, you you never know in football these days, do you? Or, or sport, what's going to happen and what's going to happen on the corner. I mean, if you'd have said things to Manchester City fans sort of twenty twenty five years ago, where they'd be now, I think they'd. Uh, they, they would never have imagined this in their wildest dreams, would they? But I think the infrastructure that they've got at the moment and, and what they're building at the Etihad, it it looks like it's going to be there for a long time, doesn't it? And, you know, it's not just a quick fix overnight sort of thing. They're building a bit of a legacy there, aren't they? So, you know, I'd expect them to, to have success for the for the, for the foreseeable future and beyond. And, I, you know, if I was a Manchester United but I don't think I'd be too despondent because I think with the, with the you know, the, the legacy United have got and the... You know the support around the world and, and things like that. I don't think it'd be too long before Manchester United are back up there. I know they they, they seem quite a way a way away at the moment, but you know things can turn around quickly, can't you? It only takes a good run, and you know you get to a, a cup final or, or what have you. And you know you, you could say that about Liverpool, couldn't you? They were chasing it for years and and were miles behind, really. But look at them now; they they sort of up there with City. So uh, so yeah, my message to United supporters: be don't be too despondent. I, I'm pretty sure he'd be back up there soon. But for City, no, doing great. Yeah, final bit of City news. Jesus seems like he's going to sign for Arsenal. Uh, James, obviously, you know they've invested heavily, haven't they, Man City, into uh, Haaland, so he's probably uh, not uh, needed. Yeah, terrific player, Jesus, but at the end of the day, when they've brought so much quality in and a player of Erling Haaland's standard, they can't keep everybody. Players are going to worry whether they're going to get that time on the pitch. And I think that's a position Jesus is in now. So he's dropping slightly further down to Arsenal, where I think he'll get a decent amount of game time. And his career will probably just carry on on a similar trajectory. He's got a Premier League win now, so he doesn't necessarily need to, to worry about that too much. And I think he'll go on to play more games at Manchester uh, Arsenal sorry, and he'll enjoy his career there. Interesting piece of news this week, Rob. Sergio Ramos, uh, one of the greatest players of our generation, but never quite reached the top of the footballing pyramid in terms of being classed as the best player on the planet. He always wanted that Ballon d'Or. He never got it. In text dating back to 2018, he was messaging the Spanish FA president, Luis Rubelas, asking him to help him win that award, to utilise his contacts to effectively almost fix it for him. Uh, very controversial. As good as Ramos is, uh, it's not really acceptable, this. It's all the same as us messaging the Salford City Radio bosses to ask him to, to promote this, the show to become the best sports show in, on radio. So I, I don't see it being a problem. He's, he's a good player. Uh, he needs the profile. Paul, what do you think? Who's that again? Sorry, Rob. Ramos from uh, Ramos. Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah, top player, top player. I mean, my knowledge of sort of Real Madrid is not um, is not the not the best to be honest with you. But yeah, yeah, top player. 
and obviously getting um, into the ribs of the Spanish FA, James, has, has, has got your goal. Yeah, I mean, it's made news, hasn't it? I mean, obviously a tremendous player at Real Madrid and he, he's continued his run at, at Paris Saint-Germain, hasn't he? But uh, a good player and... All in all, you can understand why he's frustrated that he never won it. I mean, is it a true win if you fixed it for yourself? I don't know. But then again, everybody gets help in, in a way, don't they? And I suppose at that level, you don't know entirely what's going on. But in general, I've often felt like the importance of the Ballon d'Or has been placed too much on offensive-minded players and defenders' goalkeepers have been left in the lurch, really, without getting the credit they deserve. Yeah, I suppose defenders aren't as sexy as attackers, and that's probably why they don't win them. I suppose Ronaldo, Messi shared that for about 10 years, didn't he? But they were scoring goals regular. Yeah, they do. And you've got other players coming up. I mean, when was the last time a goalkeeper won Ballon d'Or, Rob? I can't think of one off the top of my head in recent memory. Is it Buffon, maybe? But, I mean, says. you've had the, the Ike Casillas of this world. You've had mm. the, the Manuel Neuers, etc. And, and I don't think they, they, they quite get the credit they deserve. Uh, Ballon d'Or winners. We'll have a look at James and see. It's bowls with goalkeepers. Like you say, it's difficult, really, with goalkeepers because um, they're, not, they're not as sexy as the goalkeepers, the centre-forwards. Uh, 1963, Yas, Yasin. Uh, I think he's the Russian goalkeeper, wasn't it? Yeah, Levy Yasin. Interestingly, that actually uh, it's a brilliant segue to my next topic, Rob. Okay. Because I was looking at this earlier today. Johan, uh, Johan Cruyff's best ever Football in 11. I thought I'd read this to you and, uh, and see what you think. Okay. So, yeah, you've mentioned the goalkeeper in question there who uh, Cruyff had is his, is his number one. Centre-back uh, defensive lineup. We've got Carlos Alberta, Rui Kroll, and then a centre-back partnership of France Beckenbauer and Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola? How's he got in there? Top coach. He was bang average as a player, though. I mean, it's one of them. This is who uh, Cruyff went for on this occasion. Mm. Is there some bias there? Obviously, Cruyff being one of the, the great yeah. Barcelona managers and Pep Guardiola also having that. I mean, perhaps that's why he's gone for it. Maybe he's seen something in the nuances of the game and Pep Guardiola's tactical tactical awareness or something like that. And maybe that's why he's got the call. Who knows? Possible. Who's in midfield? We've got Garanya. We've got Kieser. We've got the midfield role. Fantastic. Alfredo de Stefano mm. and Bobby Charlton. Oh. And up front? I mean, it doesn't get much better than this, Rob. Diego Maradona and yeah. Pele. Uh, plenty, of go- plenty of goals in that team, James, but will it be will it beat Stoke on a cold night, on a, on a cold Tuesday night? That's the question. I mean, you've got a lot of the foreign players you probably aren't quite <clears> used to the cold. I mean, could Maradona and Pele perform up top against, I don't oh, know... <laughs> well, yeah, this is the sort of player we're talking about, isn't it? I mean, I was thinking like Zach Knight and, yeah. and Gary Cahill at Bolton back in 2010 or what have you. But uh, not the easiest teams to play. We'll never know, James. We'll never know. We'll leave it to our imaginations. And now, on the Sports Zone, we're talking boxing, James and Paul. Yeah, we most certainly are, uh, Paul. And there's been so much going on this week. I'm going to kick it off. Last week, we talked all... Well, two weeks ago, rather. We talked all about Tommy Fury, Jake Paul, finally announced, everything's ready to go. Tommy Fury tries to board a flight and Homeland Security won't let him on the plane. Incredibly upsetting to all the fans that want to see this battle. 
and now it's completely in limbo as so we wait to find out whether Fury goes to the embassy to get his visa sorted. Yeah, it, it's like some fights seem to be cursed, don't they? Sometimes, and this fight seems to to be looking that way, doesn't it? A bit of a bit of a shock, that really. And and yeah, like you say, limbo. I think that's a good word. It sort of throws it in the air now, and we nobody knows what's going to happen or, or where it's going to take place or, or when. So um, so yeah, it's cast a huge doubt over that now. It it has. It's incredibly frustrating because. Fury, who seemingly haven't hasn't gone to the embassy yet, is on the cusp of missing out on a ginormous opportunity. Granted, this fight on paper, I mean, some people don't even think he's capable of winning, but you'll seldom find boxers who get an opportunity like this. I mean, especially at the stage of the career right now, Tammy Fury, 8-0. His last three fights, he stepped up a little bit, but the first five opponents, all journeymen with, with terrible losing records, and he'd have to have fought, you know, probably a plethora more of fighters of that standard who aren't quite up to much, beat them, not get paid that much before maybe getting a shot at an English title or an area title, and who knows if he's at that level. On this occasion, he's getting two or so million to fight a massive name at Madison Square Garden. They don't make opportunities like this. If he doesn't get this over the line, if he doesn't get his visa sorted, he'll probably never get this chance again. No, he won't. These sort of fights don't come along that often, like you said, you'd have to uh, you'd be looking at a lot of fights throughout your career, you know, to get to sort of that level. You know, he'd be looking at, like you said, going through the the ranks and going through the the titles first. So, um, so yeah, these opportunities don't come along, do they? And you know, to to fight on this sort of stage that it'd set him up for life, wouldn't it? So if he misses this opportunity, it's probably something he's going to regret for the rest of his life. So, so yeah, let's hope something gets sorted out. But like you said. The news this week has, has thrown that into uh, to, to real doubt now. You know whether that's going to uh, that's going to happen. So it's going to be interesting and nerve wracking for him now to see what happens in the, in the near future. Yeah, with the with the date not being far away, just over a month, August sixth, we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see whether Jake gets a new opponent or hopefully for Tommy's sake he manages to get it over the line. I mean he'd been training with Shane McGuigan and on paper things seem to be going well, but we'll have to wait and see for now. But moving on to his brother. He's called out for Bjornsson, the star of Game of Thrones, the man who recently beat Eddie Hall in that battle of the world's two strongest men. Tyson, I'm not necessarily against him going into these massive exhibitions. They'd make a lot of money. But at the same time, he's holding up the division, isn't he? Because he's still got that WBC world title. And there's people waiting in the wings, the likes of Joe Joyce, who we'll get on to in a minute because he fought over the weekend who want shots at that belt, who aren't getting it because Fury's holding on to it. So what's your opinion on this? Um, if I was dead honest with you, I don't really... I'm not really a big fan of exhibition bouts. Um, yeah, people talking about them, don't you? And, you know, Ricky Atom's going to come back and, and, and do an exhibition bout. And I don't know. I think if you're getting in a ring and you're boxing, it's all on the line and it's all or nothing for me. Um, I, I don't know. I don't see how he can go go in a ring and, and put an exhibition on. You know, are you holding back there? Are you only putting fifty percent in? Do you not want to knock somebody out? I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I think once you're in that ring and you step between the ropes, it, it's not a game. It's it's a, it's a real really tough sport, and you know you. 
it's difficult to comprehend that, to be honest with you. So, so I, I don't know. I don't see what Tyson Fury's got to gain from from going down that road. To be honest with you, you know, he's got a real legacy. He's, you know, people are talking about he was the best, you know, this country's ever seen and one of the best fighters the world has ever seen. So to go down that road, I know he's a huge man he'd be fighting against, but he's not really. When when I saw that that fight with Eddie Hall, he, yeah, he did well. He, he did well in that fight, but it's a totally different level to the level that Tyson Fury fights at. So I don't see what he's got to gain from that, if I'm honest with you. No, neither do I. We'll have to wait and see what happens. If he's going to continue, I think we'd like to see him move the big boys of the division rather than the, the four Beyonsons and, and celebrities and, and that sort of calibre. But sticking and going down one division, uh, Jay Opataya causing a humongous upset out in Australia, beating Marius Bradis for the IBF Cruiserweight title. And for a long period of time, we were looking at Akoli Bradis as the two big boys in the division. This Aussie is thrown a cat among the pigeons. And now people are looking at a matchup between those two. Yeah, an, an excellent win, and and sometimes that that can happen, can't it? You can be sort of channeling channeling yourself between two fighters and thinking how things are going to go between them, and then somebody comes up on the rails and you know in an in between sort of fight and upsets it completely, then and throws his hat in the ring. So yeah, he's done that, and um, and and yeah, a, a great win, and probably a, a bit of an unexpected one, really. But you know this this is what boxing's all about, and uh, this is how we find new champions and and we get new people coming through. We're probably not not a whole household name and someone who not everybody's heard of, but it's great for the sport. So so yeah, really throwing his hat in the ring there. Yeah, I mean a great win for him. Joe Joyce back in action at Wembley Arena, headlining a card against Christian Hammer. Not necessarily the opponent we were all hoping for. We wanted to see the juggernaut back in action against Joseph Parker. Sadly, for one reason or another, that didn't take place. Typical Joyce fashion, took a load of right hands in the first round, comes through it without seemingly being budged, and then bludgeons hammer into a fourth-round stoppage. A typical Joe Joyce performance and entertaining as ever. Yeah, entertaining. And, and, and let's face it, Christian Hammer's a, a tough customer, isn't he? He's, he's been around a while and knows the circuit. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a durable fighter. Um, d- dished it out, like he said. And, and, and Joyce, Joyce took it like he does. He's, he's got a tough chin, tough, tough lad. And, and yeah, entertaining as ever, come up with a, a good win. And I think now you, he's a bit of a crossroads in his career. Now he, he wanted that Joseph Parker fight. That would have been a real, real top fight for him. But where does he go from here now? I think he's after after a real big fight ne- next up now because I think he deserves it. I think he's worked his way up there for that. I mean, you mentioned there he is in need for a big fight, Joe Joyce. The division at the moment is tied up with Tyson Fury holding on to that WBC belt. Usyk and Joshua fighting each other. You've got Joseph Parker, for whatever reason, going in another direction. Joe is apparently going to have a massive fight back at Wembley Arena on September 24th. No opponent named. Is there any names who you think it makes sense to get in the ring with him? I'm just trying to think and rack my brains of who it could be. Um, And I'm not sure. I can't really think of who it could be that. So we'll have to watch the space. Um, I'm trying to think it domestically. I don't think there's anybody domestically who I'd put him in with. Um, I do think he deserves a good shot now. But like you said, belts and things are all tied up at the moment, aren't they? So, so yeah. I mean, who would would you if you were, was a betting man and you were to guess who would you be guessing it's going to be? It's tough, isn't it? I mean, it's a long shot, but 
Number two, he's number one in the WBC rankings, Jojo. It's Deontay Wilder's number two. Well, that would be something. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be something. And, I mean, if you're keeping that on the wraps and that's going to be the surprise announcement, I think that that would be enough to get, you know, the British bo- boxing public um, up on the feet, wouldn't it? And, 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 and getting real interest developed there. So that, yeah, that, that could be, uh, yeah, you could be onto something there. Let's hope so. I mean, that'd be a great one to get in England, considering Wilder hasn't fought over here, has he, since the uh, the orderly Harrison victory many, many moons ago before he'd even won the WBC belt. So it'd be great to get the bronze bomber over here. But who knows? Who knows? But it needs to be a big one. I think that's for sure. But looking down now to the co-main event, Jason Cunningham, he's enjoyed a bit of a Cinderella story, hasn't he? Winning that European title, progressing potentially towards a world title shot. But it was all completely derailed against Solani Tete. They banked on the fact that he wouldn't have much left coming off that John Real Casemiro shot, but having now moved up to super bantamweight, not killing himself to make the weight, Tete looked absolutely fantastic and not cutting him out cold. Yeah, tremendous performance. Tremendous performance and, and a, a big knockout as well, a big win. And yeah, derail Cunningham's sort of ambitions really. And um, and again, that, that can happen in, in, in boxing, but... You know, to, to see the man there, I think at that way he made it really well, looked stronger at the weight, and and you can find that's where the big knockouts come sometimes, can't you? Because, uh, you know, when a guy is strong at that weight, it can make all the difference sometimes. When you're struggling to make weight and that, you can uh, you can come in and, and be weak and, and not have the power. But, no, I think they they got that absolutely spot on, didn't they? And, yeah, de- derailed him, you know, an understatement, really. Yeah, I mean, Solani Tete... Moving up to super bantamweight now, based off what he looked like at, at the weekend, I, I think there could be another world title ahead of Zani Tete, potentially becoming a freeweight champion. And it was also nice to see in the aftermath of the bout him talk about his mother, who he sadly lost recently, and to see the emotion pouring out of him, it was amazing. And she would have been proud of that performance. Yeah, I'm sure she would have been. Yeah, and it, it, sometimes it's nice in sport that you can sort of get that redemption, can't you? And uh, you know the, you, the what you work for there is obviously put an awful lot of emotional, awful lot of work into that. And and yeah, you wouldn't deny him another, uh, you know, being a world champion again if he's still got that in him. You know, the, the, which it shows from that performance at the weekend. So uh, so yeah, he's had a tough time at the moment, but sport I think has has brought him through that and, and given him strength through that. And and now you could see him uh, go on to to bigger and better things. But yeah, exciting times for him despite his his sad sad news recently. Yeah, and. Now we look towards a big fight coming up this weekend. Derek Chisora, Kubrat Pulev, the rematch. And for me, Paul, I don't want to put out the fire, but it seems like a bizarre one. Uh, these two men first fought back in 2017-2018 for the European title in Bulgaria. And it was a relatively boring fight and a relatively one-sided fight with Kubrat Pulev cruising to victory with relative ease. It was a split decision on the night, but really it felt like Pulev won near enough every single round. It didn't feel like there's any need for a rematch. There was rumours going into this that Chisora would be getting in with Adam Kanaki and Chris Ariola, two people who could have given him an absolute barn burner. But this fight just feels unnecessary with how one-sided it was last time. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's quite a while ago since that one now, and it wasn't the fight I don't think we, we all expected to to see. It's not really captured the the public's imagination. You know, Pulev's not getting any younger, is he? But he's still a strong, tough man. Um, and do we see Ch- Chisora pulling this one off? I'm not too sure, really. I think 
could be the same result as last time with how much has Chisora got left um, in the tank. He's had some tough fights over the last few years as well, hasn't he? So, so I don't think it's, it's a real eye-catching fight. But sometimes you can be wrong. Sometimes those fights can be the ones that really sort of do catch fire. So I think it's worth watching and, and just seeing uh, what develops from it. At the moment, going into this, would you fancy Pulev to do the double? Yeah, he's a tough fighter, Pulev, isn't he? He's a very experienced fighter as well, pretty tough. And I know Chisora likes to bang people, but I would, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, I would go for Pulev to, to, to get the win. And now moving on to the last topic of the day, Paul, and it's a good one because we've been calling for this. Josh Taylor was mandated to fight Jose Cepeda in an offence of his WBC world title. He's decided to vacate that belt to pursue the Jack Catchell rematch. Most people, and, and basically every single person who watched that fight, thought that Jack Catchell won at a canter. And now the robbery calls have been chasing Josh Taylor around, and I don't think the fans would forgive him if he didn't give Jack Catchell his rematch. And now it's looking like it's actually going to happen. Yeah, it seems that way. I think it's the, the most logical thing he could have done, really, to sort of... His career's at a bit of a crossroads, a bit of a standstill. And if he'd evaded that fight, I don't think anyone would have ever forgiven him or, or forgot. So it does put a bit of a blot on your, on your career then, doesn't it? So I think he's doing the right thing. I think he's doing the, sort of the gentlemanly thing of, of, of going back down that road. And, and he can put a few wrongs right, can't he? He can really sort of motivate himself for that. And there's no doubt about it that Taylor's a quality fighter. So's Catrell. But I think, you know, Taylor can get the result there and sort of put a lot of things right that he, that he didn't do right on the night in the first fight. So, um, so I, I think you'll see a different Josh Taylor this time. I don't think he'll be undercooked as he was last time. That's taking nothing away from Catrell. Catrell, who's absolutely outstanding in the first fight, but can Catrell, a big test for him, can he raise his game now and and do that again? The, you know, there's no doubt he's he's got the, the fire in his belly for it because you know he feels he was robbed in that first fight, so that's going to be his motivation. And you've got Taylor's motivation to do well. This, this should be a real firecracker when they both pull it on again, definitely. I mean, it should be. We've got two names here who are going to give it 110%. Jack Catchell knows realistically, after what happened in Scotland, the travesty, that he needs a stoppage. Whereas Josh Taylor knows that the pressure is on him to put in a big performance after, you know, effectively being accused of being a paper champion now. If you look at the opposite side of the coin and what pressure could do to them, Jack Catchell, is there a chance of him maybe being a bit complacent, thinking, I cruised the first fight, this is going to be easy for me, and perhaps underestimating Josh Taylor? And on the opposite side, the Tartan Tornado always fights with emotion, always fights with anger. Could he be a bit too, a bit too willing to get involved in trades and potentially leave himself open? I think you've got a, a, a few different outcomes what you could have there. I think there's all sorts of conundrums you could throw into the mix. And I think, like I said, I think you could have a, three or four different outcomes. I think it depends on the night. I think it's, it's a big one. It's a, You know, if you've got your team around you there, Catrell and Taylor, I think their team, if each fighter has got a, have got a nail list, they've got to nail the camp, they've got to nail the preparation. Um, and it's a 50-50 fight. It could go either way. I mean, if, you, if I was a... I keep saying a betting man. If I was a betting man right now, I'd probably just edge towards Taylor because I don't think I, I don't think he was bad last time. I just think he got you know really outboxed. But a lot of those rounds were close, 
but I don't think Taylor will make the mistakes that he did last time. So I think if Jack Cattrall's going to beat him, he's got to be even better this time. And like you said there, he probably would have to get them, you know, come in with a knockout to, to get the decision because it's difficult. We know this in boxing, all different weights all around the world. If you're fighting against a champion, it's very, very difficult to beat a champion on points. If you're going to beat a champion and take a belt from someone, you usually have to do a bit more than that. Don't you be very, very special, get a couple of knockdowns or, or whatever, or a knockout. So, so yeah, it's an intriguing encounter. And, you know, it's one that's going to capture the public's imagination as well. You know, it's it's England against Scotland. There's a bit of blood, bad blood there from last time. So I hope it gets sorted and it gets made, hopefully before the end of the year, because it'd be a really good fight to see. Yeah, it would be. Hopefully, we'll have an announcement before not too long. We'll update you this time next week and hopefully we'll have something. But for now, I'm going to throw it back over to Rob. He's going to be talking rugby. Yeah, Rugby League, James and Salford Devils victorious at Warrington. They beat Warrington 32 points to 14 at Hallowell Jones Stadium. Talk us through it, Paul. Yeah, 32-24, Rob. It was, it, it was a funny game. I thought I thought Salford won it in the first half, then, then sort of lost it. And then won it back again. So, you know, it was a great start. For, I thought we got, got off on the front foot, got two early tries. Mark Sneed missed both the conversion. But 8 now I thought we were looking quite, I would say comfortable, but we were dominating the game, dominating the possession, creating chances. And when we were turning the ball over, we were turning it over sort of two or three yards from the Warrington line. And, you know, having them come back, which was a good tactic, really. But Callum Watkins got sin-binned. Uh, they got a try. Warrington got back into the game. And at 8-6 at half time, they came out the start of the second half while we were down to 12 men and, and made hay, really, and scored three quick-fire tries to go 24 points. Hey, so it was a complete turnaround, really. But then for Salford to come back, and score the amount of points they did in the remaining 24 minutes, I think 56 minutes when Chris Atkin went over, to score all those points and, and turn the game on its head was an absolutely outstanding performance in that last 20 minutes of the game. Uh, Jack Armand getting two tries, who really kept our nerve there. Ryan Briley as well. And um, and yeah, took our chances and, and stormed back to beat a, well, beat a good Warrington side who, who ran a bit of a poor run of form, but the spirit there and the the sort of uh, the nerve that Salford held, I thought was absolutely outstanding. Great, great, great match. Great advert for Rugby League. Yeah, I spoke to Paul Rowler. You spoke to two-try hero Jack Armoroyd. And this is what I had to say. Congratulations on the big comeback win. 24-8 down. What started going right at that point? Um, well, obviously, the possession changed a little bit into our favour. We, we, we had no possession in that spell that Callum went off. Uh, penalties, uh, a man down. It was a, it was an onslaught really. Um, however, it, it always or tends to in the most change. Or you've got to come up with something to change that 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 trend at that point. Uh, and again, when you've got character, you can dig in. And ultimately, a game of rugby is about on, in the tough periods who's going to dig in and who's going to break first. And we didn't break. I thought we stopped playing a little bit. Uh, Problem. With, because of the fatigue and but they they found the groove again and uh, I thought they had a little spell where they not sure if they believed uh, but they got a try and I said to Kurt if, if, if they get a try here yeah, they'll 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 crack on they'll, they'll they'll go again the energy levels will rise and it did and and, uh, and we finished you know from from looking running around like a shot dog sometimes to to looking like you're full of energy so uh, yeah I'm I'm just we all are, all, are, all the staff are immensely proud of, of our players. We, we couldn't speak highly enough of them. 
Yeah, Reese Williams comes in, scores a try. Uh, the injured Joe Burgess out the out the team. Yeah. Um, you know, shows how much quality you've got in your in your back division. <laughs> yeah, it's the only position we could have covered, so uh, we didn't get stressed really because it's quite hard not picking Reese on a week to week basis. Mm. Uh, I find that quite difficult as a, as a coach because he's such again a good character but a good player. Um, so. It, it, it wasn't a moment of stress at all having to put Reese in, and, and in fact, we're quite excited about it. So I'm, I'm really pleased for him coming to his old club. I'm really pleased for Sitter coming to his old club as well, uh, and Andy Ackers, I guess. So, you know, there's a few that I'm, uh, but the group's done good. Is burnout sort of the biggest enemy now? Because obviously, you've got a small squad, you can't sort of rotate. Is that what we're worried about? Uh, yeah, well, burnout or injuries. Mm-hmm. So Andy Ackers come off with a, you know, a, a troublesome elbow so we need to find out what his problem is because he's been great so you know that takes us down to I think that'll be 18 fit there's nobody nobody due back so yeah it's not good backing up after after last week win must be that'll give you confidence going forward yeah it is nice and and all teams will talk about consistency so um, to to be consistent in terms of that is is fantastic and um, yeah to to come here after such a performance against Wakefield, 60 points in 40 minutes, and then start the way we finished was brilliant. Against a big club, let's not make no bones about it, this is a big club with big expectations and big wallets, and, and we're not, but we've got big character and a lot of talent and a lot of pieces of a jigsaw that fit perfectly together. So something's right, just could do that little peg up. Imagine weekend uh, next week, yeah. obviously flying into that. Yeah, uh, massive challenge for us next week. Uh, we 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 got really dismantled at Huddersfield last time uh, against a good team. They're a, you know they're a top four side. Um, again, a little bit probably a little bit like Warrington. Uh, first season, you know, they struggled and they bought their way out of trouble and put the processes in place and and now they're a really good team who. Who just complete heavily? I think the I think the stats against Cass at the you know the other night were amazing, which even more testament to Cass getting the win. They were they were hugely, um, you know, down on numbers in terms of possession and field position, which is absolutely Huddersfield's, you know, the way they play, isn't it? So uh, they drown you, basically. It's a tough tough challenge. Right, delighted to say I've been joined by Jack Armanride. Two tries in that second half there. Is there any a, a chance you could have got an asterisk there late on? Because you, you were hanging back there, you know, for that try at the end when Briley scored. You must be delighted though. Great performance. Yeah, it's, 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 it's rare to get over two. One try, never mind two for me. So the actually, I, I don't think, I think that's out of the question for the rest of my career. Really. You showed but a no. nice step there, nice <laughs> yeah, side yeah, step yeah. as well. It's a big gap though that you went yeah, through. Yeah, but. yeah, it was. Yeah, great pass from Sneedy, but it's, I, I'm, not, I'm not too fussed about the tries really. I'm, I'm more happy with the performance and the way we came back. Um, when Cal got sent off, Went 24 8 down, it was that was some big ask, that. but it's yeah. showed great character. Yeah, that's what Rolls just said in the changing rooms. Ed, it's part of us all, showed a really good character to be able to come back. It looked a nice touch on the field at the end there. Paul Rowley came on, I don't know what you're yeah. all saying, I don't want you to tell us, but that team spirit that you're building here seems seems pretty special. There, you've got that bond between the group. That's it, really. That's that's what it was. Just Brody, Brody Croft just saying that he's how proud he's to, to play alongside us all, and I think it's just it shows how, how close we are, really, to be able to, to come back from what we did. Um, 
through that, through that adversity to uh, just we're a tight group I think that'll stand us in good stead going forward you've been involved in rugby league quite a while now is this one of the best times you've had in rugby league it is for me yeah because it's one of the last couple of years really here where I've been playing week in week out so I've always been in and out of the team but I've, uh, I've found myself playing every week and great set of lads um, especially this year so it's it's really good it's especially when we're winning that makes a difference it's, it's hard when you we're losing three or four in a row like we have done earlier in the season but it makes a massive difference when we get wins, a like, couple of wins like we have done so I just think to keep that going and How did it feel that when you got over? I mean the first try was a good one but the second try really brought the roof off that yeah. stand I was stood behind the goals there and it must be an absolute buzz that for a, you know, for yeah. a player who doesn't get over very often yeah. if you can see old Joe Burge is yeah, great yeah. but for you Oh brilliant yeah. fans are great aren't they I think last week they were, they were massive for us against Wakefield in that big win and there's a few quite a fair few of them travelled today um, it's a massive help Especially like, like I say, we went down 24 8 and they're still, they're still seeing for us, so it uh, makes a massive difference. So we appreciate it. Moving up that table as well, you've got to 7 today. Big game Huddersfield next week, but you can just look at one game at a time now, can't you? Keep building it. That's how things seem yeah, to be going yeah. at the moment. I think just take, take confidence from what we're doing. Um, and just like I say, go week by week. I don't, I don't, we can't carry away, too carry away ourselves. Um, it would have been easy to do that last week against winning by get a record score, win by 70. But, I think we've just got to take each, take each week as it comes, a new week, and um, just keep working hard for each other. And I think if we do that, then the results will keep coming. I've spoke to about a dozen supporters coming out today, and they've all said today was better than last week. I think it's the performance of them. I mean, it's all right scoring 74 points, but I think the comeback and the manner of that display has really impressed everybody. Yeah, I think last week was a great feeling. So I think last week was a big game as well. We talked about it before the game. We are both, both on 10 points, second, second, joint second bottom last week. So that was a must-win game, really. Um, I think we showed um, great great resilience to come through that game and win the way we did. But even even more so today, I think we, we spoke about this week, last sorry last week not not meaning anything if we didn't back it up today. Um, we managed to do that, so it's, it's a good feeling. So hopefully we can do the same again next week. Have a great week, prep mate. Enjoy tonight because you deserve Cheers, it. Cheers, Jack. Thanks. So that was uh, you, talks Jack Orman, Ryder, and you know you know great player and what a nice bloke as well. Yeah, he's a lovely man. Yeah, he really is a nice guy. You know, gentle giant, really, for the size of him. But, you know, he, he I thought despite his two tries today, I thought he was the man of the match. I thought he ran the ball in really hard. He tackled well. He gets involved in the middle as well. So does Alex Gerrard. I think he's been a real fine for us this season. He plays like a standoff sometimes. You know, does the tough stuff in the forwards. But also, nice passes and nice touches there as well. Dion Cross. I think you could go through the side. Ryan Briley, I thought, was outstanding again. Brody Croft, absolutely Magic, you know, at times. Mark Sneed, big game for him. I think you can go through the whole side, really, and, and say that, you know, real, real good team performance. Reese Williams came in at the last minute for Joe Burgess on the wing, scored a good try and didn't put a foot wrong for the whole game. So it was a real, real team effort. Yeah. Paul Rowley talks about belief uh, and, and the character of the players. Obviously, you know, the squad is, is paper thin, uh, but they keep coming up with wins, Paul. Yeah, it's funny. I was thinking today about 2019 when we we were on that big run. I think round about this time of the year, we lost to Huddersfield at home. Was well beaten, and then after that, we seemed to click into gear and went on and won nine matches and went all the way to the grand final. I mean, I'm not saying for one minute that's going to happen this season, but team spirit and, and sort of togetherness and, and confidence can take you an awful long way. And that Salford side at the weekend at Warrington. You know, there's there's some real heroes in that team, and it's a bit like that side of 2019. It's not full of star names, and I wouldn't say it's a ragtag and bob outfit, as as some people might say. But it's it's players that have been cast off from other clubs. Alex Gerrard, people have come in. Dion Cross has come in this season. You had Tyler Dupree who's just come in. Players that have, have not really 
you know, shined at other clubs for 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 want of a better word, but have come into Salford and and, and have done their job and, and have found a home. And I think Jack Armroyd's a perfect example. There. Jack's been around rugby league for for a while now and never really found his home and never really had a consecutive run of games and. Now he's hitting form and, and, and coming into the peak of his career, and there's half a dozen sort of players in that side that are like that now, and that could be dangerous. So, so I'm not predicting we're going to go on to the grand final, Rob, but I think it's going to be an exciting end to the season. Yeah, magic weekend in Newcastle next weekend uh, will be a good game. Huddersfield, coached by our old coach Ian Watson, gives that edge. Huddersfield, we're uh, looking to bounce back as well. They're, They'd won seven, I think, six, seven on the bounce. You know, they've been to the, the cup final as well. They were well beaten at Castleford last week. You know, they were pretty poor last week. I saw that game. And, you know, they'll be wanting to bounce back. They're up there towards the top end of the table. They, they score a lot of points, like Salford do as well. So that should be an exciting game. It's going to be quite warm weather, I think, at Newcastle. Big, wide pitch. So it's that's got all the ingredients of being a classic match, like, like the game at Warrington. That was a cracker last weekend just gone. So this should be another great game. As you said, there's the, the Watson sort of uh, conundrum there, you've got Luke Yates who plays at, um, plays there, Tuilola here also and uh, one or two others in the in the, the Huddersfield ranks that have played at Salford before, so um, so yeah, there should be a lot in that game, it should be an exciting uh, weekend as well, some, some cracking fixtures next weekend in Newcastle. Yeah, let's talk about our other club, Swinton Lions, uh, they suffered defeat this week against Doncaster, they lost 26 points to 12 at home um, disappointing result for Lions Yeah, a disappointing result at home especially, yeah, um, they've been pretty good at home this season. Doncaster, been a bit in and out. I think their form has been a bit in and out. They've had a couple of good wins recently and he's starting to get a bit congested in League One now. Rochdale Lawrence had a good win at weekend. And there's a number of teams there that are, that are up there and around the top spot. Keith Lecoug has had a, had a big win again. I think they beat uh, West Wales by 80-odd nil. So so they're, they're doing pretty well. They've got Junior Sow in their team now. He scored again. So... They're looking the front runners at the moment, but that's a disappointing result for Swinton to, to, to lose at home. I think the home games were the ones they were really, really targeting, so uh, so that's a setback. Yeah, they've been busy in the transfer market. Alex Sutton's come in, six-foot centre from Wigan, 19 years old, I think, Paul, so he will do some uh, damage on that Swinton uh, back line. Yeah, they've had some good players over the last few years on, on loan from from, from Wigan uh, of Swinton. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure they'll be looking at, you know, giving him some experience and some game time. And and uh, it could be another gem that they've found there. So it's good cover for them as well. Excuse me, a good, a good backup. And I think sometimes you need a bit of new blood, don't you? A defeat there. And it just puts a bit of pressure on some of the other players as well. So they'll be looking to bounce back next time they're in action. Yeah, no game for Swinton Lions this week. Obviously, magic weekend, so gives them opportunity to rest a few bodies. Uh, you know, get together and and push on for the rest of the season. Yeah, there's there's plenty of time to go, isn't there? There's there's plenty of matches to, to go towards the end of the you know the back end of the season. Now, magic weekend. I think in Swinton's league, there's there's an odd number of teams, isn't there? So. You know, a team gets a buyer and what have you. So they'll be using that week wisely, I would have thought, just resting players and, you know, we're working on things, what they've got wrong this week and looking to bounce back as, as soon as possible when the next fixture comes along. So, uh, so yeah, they, they're still out of it. You know, there's still an awful lot of rugby league to be played in, in League One. And, you know, it goes down to a grand final at the end of the day. It's all about on the day. Isn't it? So if you're in the mix at the end of the season, you get every chance. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, Salford Red Devils ladies. They have no game this week, but 
next week they're in the League Cup semi-final. They play Jewsbury Moor, who they've already beaten in the league uh, this season. Chris Bates, ladies in great form, only losing to Alton uh, away from home at the moment. So, you know, they are in prime position uh, to, to get through to the final, which is to be played at Oral St. James. Yeah, another big fixture. As you said, they're doing very well very well in the league and in the cup competition. So this is going to be a big game. They've already played each other uh, this season as well. So I'm sure they're looking forward to that at the weekend. It's on the it's on the Sunday, I think, isn't it, Rob? The same day as the as the, as the first team, which is which is a shame. Um but uh, but no, wish them all the best. I'm sure it'll be another exciting encounter and you know they've played some thrilling stuff this season so far as we've spoke about, haven't we? The, the amount of tries that they've scored. So a bit like the uh, about the, the men's team, they like to entertain and, and throw the ball around. Yeah, and that's the exciting thing. Chris Bates has got uh, the ladies playing some good rugby, uh, rugby with uh, Demi Jones and Louise Fellingham sort of pulling the strings for, for Steph Gray and Lucy McKeo and Alex Simpson and you know the strike all over uh, for this uh, ladies team. Yeah, it certainly is, isn't it? And they're a team that, like you said, there, Rob, they they really are a team and building all the time. And and they, they, everyone on that side does their job, don't they? And knows their job, and then that's the way to be a team. That's the way to go to success. So, so yeah, I'm sure it'll be a, a big week for them now, a big week of preparation for the for the weekend to come. And uh, I'm sure they'll get it right the weekend. Yeah, and Swinton Lions ladies also top of their division as well, playing some good rugby. Obviously, it's great that both of our teams have ladies teams and they're both competing at the top of their division. Yeah, they're both doing terrifically well, aren't they? Both leading lights at the moment, which is good for the for the local area and, and, and women's sport in the local area as well. It's uh, it's nice to have uh, Swinton and Salford top of the uh, top of corresponding table. So uh, so long may that continue. And let's hope at the back end of the season, the business end of the season, that they both still up there and can bring some silverware back to uh, the local area and the city of uh, Salford and the town of Swinton. I think that'd be great. Yeah, obviously, with a minute to go, Magic Weekend, you're looking forward to it. There's lots of good games to, to watch. Yeah, I'll be trying to watch the, the games on Saturday on the TV. Um, I know there's the, the game Saturday, so I'll watch a few of them if I can, if I get a chance. And then on Sunday, I'm going to go up early because we're on early doors. So I'm going to set off early Sunday, go watch the Salford game. And then I'll be coming home straight after that then to, to get home to come on to the sports zone with you on Sunday night. So... Uh, <laughs> So yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to going there. It's a nice trip, and um, and yeah, looking forward to, to playing Huddersfield, which should be should be an exciting game. Yeah, it's going to be so exciting. Obviously, Ian Watson, um, you know, our former coach, there's there's sort of tales in the, in that. Uh, it's going to be really exciting. Obviously, 20 seconds to go, Paul. Salford win. Yeah, I can see it being a close game. Um, I think there'll be points in it. As I said before, the weather's going to be a nice big pitch. I, th- I think it'd be a tight game, but probably similar to the Warrington game at the weekend. Plenty of points and plenty of entertaining tries. Yeah, and that's what it's all about on the Sports Zone. Entertainment brought to you by me, Paul Whiteside and Jane Sweeten. Big thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat. <laughs>